Um, I was able to complete the exposition on the book of Joshua. It took several years, but we made it through. And now we're going to move on to a new topic. And I believe it's a topic that Pastor Rosalind wanted to teach himself. But he asked me if I would step in so he can uh, complete his studies as he pursues his Ph.D. work. So pray for him. Pray for him that he works hard and, and gets it done. Before, before we begin, let's just take a few moments to make sure we're in fellowship with God. Uh, in the Old Testament, the priests had a pretty rigid ritual of cleansing they had to go through, and it's symbolic, and it's a picture for us that we need to be clean when we approach God. So let's take a few moments of silent prayer, and, and if you need to, you can call on 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a great blessing and privilege we have to be able to do that, and it's because of the work of Christ on the cross. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are here tonight to study your word, to worship you in spirit and in truth. As our Lord told us, those are the worshipers that you seek. Help us not to disappoint, Father. Help us to be all that you want us to be. And that begins with learning your word and then applying it in our lives. Help us to remember these things tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so... Tonight we begin a new series. How to love, wait a minute, that's not right. We're not going to learn how to love another one. <laughs> that's not what I titled this series. So if I hear anyone say that, uh, oh no, not another one, well, I'll, I'll be coming to see you afterwards. Well, what I named this series was How to Love One Another. A little flip-flop there just to keep everybody on their toes. And this comes from, and what we're going to do is we're going we're to look at the use of the Greek pronoun alelon in the New Testament epistles. And it should be an interesting study, and it should be a lot of fun. It's something different for me because uh, in the past I've always done a book study, which is pretty, well, it's easier because you can just follow one verse after another. But this is going to be a topical study and, and jumping around from different, different passages, different authors. And so for me, it's going to help me learn and grow in my study and my preparation for uh, teaching, which I love to do. And I want to teach God's Word, and I hope you will uh, bear with me and, uh, and get something out of this. Okay, so I've taken... And wait a minute. This is episode one, because I'm not going to get it all done. There's a lot, a lot of material, but uh, I'm not going to get it all done in one, one session. So there'll be more to follow, and I hope you want to join me for this in this pursuit. Okay, so, oops. When you begin a new study. One of the questions that first comes up is, why? Why this? Why this subject? And why now? Those are questions that, that seem to pop up. 
Uh, do we have a problem here at Preston City Bible Church? Is that why this is coming up? Well, that's just something to think about. Why? And, and I believe Pastor Dave did uh, consider that we need, as a church family, to grow closer together. And that's what we're going to try to achieve as we uh, look at all the examples in the epistles. We're not going to look at the gospel uh, uh, use of the word alone, but we'll look at the ones in the epistles. And uh, one of the reasons we want to look at that is because when it comes to love, and that's what we're doing, we're loving one another, we always seem to come up short. I mean, I don't think anybody's ever, I've never heard anyone say, stop loving me so much. That just doesn't happen. In our, in our time. But anyway, uh, so let's look at why from a couple of passages. Uh, we'll start with 1 John 15. And this... John 15, what did I say? Oh, for, yeah, I put that one in there. That threw me off already. Thanks for pointing that out. John 15. If you have your Bibles, turn it. We're going to Use your Bible a lot if you have it. If not, well, I'll be reading the passage anyway. John 15, 14, we read, and this is Jesus. He's speaking on the night before he was betrayed. Yeah, uh, the uh, upper room discourse, John, what is it? John what? 13 through 17. Thank you, Mike. All right, John 15, 14. Jesus speaking to the disciples, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So consider that. Think about that. Jesus calls his disciples his friends. Not slaves. Not subjects to be ruled over. But if we do what he commands us. But keep in mind, we are his slaves. If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, do this sword drill here. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 22, well, I'll start, go back to verse 21. Were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able also to become free, rather do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. And we were all free when we were called. There's no one today, uh, in this country at least, that's under slavery in the sense it was uh, centuries ago. But So we are Christ's slaves, very clear. And let's remember when Jesus comes, he's going to be sitting on David's throne. So he is our king as well. But through all that, that's not how he looks at us. Now that we're saved, he considers us and looks at us as his friends. What a great privilege that is. So that's one reason why we want to do this study. Second reason is 2 Timothy 3.16. Very well-known passage that I'm sure you've all memorized. But I'm going to turn there anyway and read it. 
2 Timothy 3.16. We see all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And we know from Ephesians that God has prepared good works in advance that we would walk in, in them. So if we're studying the scriptures, we're getting the training we need to accomplish those good works that, that Christ would have us uh, do. To glory. And it's all for God's glory. So all scripture is God-breathed. That's another reason why we want to study how the word alone, one another, is used in the epistles. And what it means, basically what it means for a church. That's, that's going to be the goal of this study is to see how it applies to the church and so how we, we can apply that. All right, moving on for another reason, Ephesians 4. Turn back a few, few pages. In Ephesians 4, verses 12 through 13, we read, For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. That's what the church is, the body of Christ. Until, we're going to build up until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's the aim. That we're all unified in our faith, that there's no heresies, there's no false doctrine, there's no animosity between groups, that we're all one in Christ, as we should be. And then the last one I have here for this slide is Philippians 1.6, which is right after Ephesians, Philippians 1.6. And Paul says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. See, that's what God is doing. He's training us. He's perfecting us. Wherever you are in your spiritual life, he is working and bringing things in and out of your life for his good purpose to train you and to perfect you till when, till when? when Christ returns and we will see him face to face. So that's a few of the reasons. It's not all the reasons. I'm sure there's many more we could all dig up. And I'm going to try to do that over the course of this study. But we always want to know why we're doing things and why we need to do them. All right. Going forward, this is just uh, some statistical data as I was compiling, getting ready to, to do this and look up all the verses, uh, the occurrences by book in the New Testament. The word appears, alelon in the Greek, exactly 100 times in the New Testament. 34 times in the gospel, which we're not really going to look at those. We're going to look at the ones in the epistles. But Acts has it eight times. It's 56 times in all of the epistles and twice in the book of Revelation. And so as for the epistles, epistles themselves, this is how it breaks down. Obviously, Romans, because you probably can't read those little 
headings at the bottom. They're pretty tiny. I tried to get them bigger, but I, I'm not that tech savvy. But uh, Romans, by far and away, 14 times compared to uh, the others, mostly, uh, you know, very, very many times. But it is absent. The word does not appear in six books. First and second Timothy, Philemon, those three written by Paul, second Peter, third John, and Jude. And when you look at those books, the reason why is because those are very specific teachings. Uh, the, the epistles to Timothy are training him to, as Paul's uh, protege, Philemon, the case of the runaway slave. Uh, second Peter deals with mostly false teachers and Third John is a commend, mostly con, commends the church, and Jude writes about false teachers and heresies and false prophets. So that's why those probably don't have alone in them. So now let's do, if you're a Greek geek or a grammar guru, you may be interested in these next couple of slides. Uh, I've provided a grammatical breakdown by gender. We'll start first by gender, and as you can see, it uh, never appears in a feminine form. Overwhelmingly masculine, a, f a few neuter occurrences, but it's never in the, in the feminine form in the New Testament. The grammatical breakdown by number, there's a shock. It's plural 100% of the time. And the reason for that is, is because and I read this, grammarians uh, refer to this as a reciprocal pronoun. means it always indicates an interchange between two or more groups. So that's why it's always plural, never singular. And finally, the grammatical breakdown by the case. And the interesting thing in here is it's never a nominative case, which means it's never the subject of a sentence. Normally, usually it's the direct object or the accusative two-thirds of the time. But it is in the other cases as well, and I'll explain more about that as we go through them uh, case by case, so to speak. Uh, so that's what we're looking forward to. We're going to see each, each uh, verse uh, that it appears in, not all 100, but 56, and go through them one by one to see how how the writer uses it. And remember, these are written by Paul, by uh, Peter, uh, John, and the writer of Hebrews also. So different authors, how they use the word and what they're trying to, to explain and try to teach under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I've come up with a basically a summary verse, and surprise, it's not one of the ones in the epistles, but this is Jesus himself, John 15, 12, which I think is a good summary verse of what Alelon is all about. There it is in the Greek. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. So this sums it up. The words masculine, accusative, as I said, that's the direct object, in this case, of the word love. You love Jesus is commanding his, or explaining that to the disciples. And I also highlighted the two occurrences of agape, the word translated love there. Uh, the first one on the top, top line, you love, that's a, it's a present active subjunctive. 
Second person plural. And the subjunctive means that you may do it, you may not do it. It's not a commandment in the sense that you're definitely going to do, what, do it or obey. You have that ambiguity. You may not do it. But Jesus says, I have loved you on the bottom. And that is an aorist indicative first person singular, which means aorist tense, it's a completed action. He did it. He did love them. Now he was going to go on and, and, and go to the cross for them also. But up to that time in his ministry, he had demonstrated that he had loved them. And he expresses that. So, ale loose, the, the uh, accusative form uh, uh, here in, this, in John 15, 12. And I think that's a great uh, beginning for our series on how, the, uh, how Jesus used ale alone in, in uh, speaking to his disciples. Okay, so... What is love? How did, he, how did he love them? He hadn't gone to the cross yet, but love is defined because he defines it in the next verse. If you want to turn to John 15, 13. Jesus tells them, he defines it. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. That's love, as Jesus is defining it. And he was going to do this uh, hours from when he said it. So Jesus set the bar very high. Very, very high. He gave his life for each one of us. I mean, when you think about it, really, in fact, it's, it's beyond our human ability to do this because we're all sinners. How many times are we going to be able to die for somebody? Well, only once. <laughs> Unless they bring you back. But that, that's not going to happen. How can we love one another this way? Well, we can love the way Jesus loves if we're enabled. And we are enabled, as it tells us in Philippians 4.13. So if you turn there in your Bible. Philippians 4.13, we read... I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Pretty simple. We can't do it in our own strength, but we can, through the Holy Spirit, living and working in our lives through us. Because we're in Christ, the Holy Spirit can empower us in our daily walk, by every moment. The Holy Spirit is always there, ready to do that. We're the ones who grieve the Holy Spirit. We're the ones who quench the Holy Spirit. Because we are distracted, we are lusting for something else other than what we need to be in obedience to Christ and, and to uh, his commandments. When, when we read that uh, he's called us friends, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, that's enough to want to serve him. To, to do things, to, to not sin, to to stay true to Christ. Because he loves us, he died for us, and he wants to be our friend. And it's just, it's really hard to understand and fathom. Okay, so, if God loves us, and he does, we can and should love one another by the power of the Holy Spirit. We just need to ask you know, and that's why I think many times we, we hear the, the 
the verse in the Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Well, how can you do that? But if you think about it, it's those times when you're drifting away from God. That's when you need to be praying. God, bring me back. Keep me, keep me together with you. So we need to ask do you, this question, and I'm going to ask everyone here. Do you ask? Do you ask God when you need him, when you should? Are you asking him? Do you want to love the unlovable? I mean, there's people who are believers that are challenged to love, but God loves them. And so we are called also to love. So love can, uh, can happen for us. We just have to ask God for that power to love one another as Christ has loved us. Okay. Let's move on. As I said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, we're going to begin in, in uh, sequential order. That's the way I'm going to do it. I don't know if Pastor Dave had envisioned me doing it this way, but for me, this is probably going to be the easiest and the most straightforward way to get at what each author is, is, is trying to drive home. So we're going to start in the book of Romans, and chapter 1. Romans, as you saw on the chart, had the most, uh, most occurrences of Alelone in, in the New Testament, so we'll start there. And we'll start in chapter 1, verse 12. There it is in the Greek. And I'll turn over. Romans chapter 1. Now, if you know, if you've read the book before, you know that this is the chapter where Paul is uh, condemning mankind before God. So verse, verse 12, we read. That is, well, I'll start with verse 11. For I long to see you, this is Paul writing to the Roman church, so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you. This is, I'm reading from the, the uh, NASB. I'll, I'll read mine in, in a minute. Together with you, while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Now that doesn't have, in the English translation, one another, which is what Alelo means. So I did my own translation. I'm going to do that to make sure it comes out as one another in, in, in the slides. Because I think that's important to see how the word in the Greek is being used in totality. All right, so this is the first occurrence in the epistles and one another, how it appears. It doesn't appear in your translation. Most English translations don't tra translate it as one another, but uh, I think it does fit. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you. That's the, the verb, sum paraklethenai. Did I get that, Mike? Does this work? Now, through this faith in one another, yours and also mine. All right, so it's, it's, it's in the masculine dative form here, Alelois. 
it's in the data because it's the object of the preposition n, and some Greek prepositions take a dative, some take an, a genitive, but in the data case here, and the dative generally is, is for an indirect object, but uh, here it's the object of the preposition. And so the verb, as I mentioned, is an aorist passive infinitive translated as a first person singular, meaning to encourage, exhort, and comfort together. So Paul is desiring to go to Rome to meet these people who he's heard about, and he's going to want to be encouraged by them. He wants to encourage them. They want to encourage him. He wants to be encouraged by them. And that's his, his thrust of, it, of how he's uh, using the word here. So they're all gaining something out of it, out of meeting together. Now, Paul had probably written to them before or heard about them, but it's not the same. It's not the same as meeting people face-to-face -face and being among them for a period of time. So Paul was encouraged by their faith. We read in verse 8, it says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. So they had a great reputation Paul acknowledges that, and he's happy about it. Let me ask you, are you encouraged when you hear about someone else's faith? Are you, are you as happy as Paul appears to be in this verse? He wants, he wants nothing more than to be with them and to exhort them and to encourage them. And then they can reciprocate by doing the same for him. But are you ever encouraged that way? I hope so, because there's many strong believers in this church, and they can encourage you, and you can be encouraged by them. You can encourage one another, which is what the goal, I think, we can get out of Romans 1.12. We can encourage one another just by being here face-to-face. -face. Move on. Let's go to Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 27. And there you see it. I put the uh, alelone in, in red just to help you see it, and in the English, one another. Now, this is just half the verse, and this is in the uh, real uh, negative part of chapter 1 where he's condemning the world because they've abandoned God, they've rejected God. So we read verse 27a, the first part, and in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Now, this is an example of how the church is not to behave and how believers are not to act. We don't join one another in sinful deeds and partake together in, in what not, should not be done. And the word in, is masculine accusative. It's the object of this preposition, ace, which takes a genitive uh, object. Because of sin, as we read in verse, see in verse 26, for this reason God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. Because of sin, our relationship to one another becomes perverted, destroyed, destructive. This is what we're not to do, and the occurrence of this word is a negative. So we've had a positive application and a negative in the first two occurrences. So the second half of the verse, if you continue reading, it's referring to God's judgment on those who continue in sin 
and they spiral downward in their practice. And Paul details, as Paul details, starting in verse 18, this, this trend began and begins in, our, in, in mankind with a rejection of God. That's the beginning of this downward spiral, rejecting God, not giving thanks. So that's a negative application of alone one another. Romans 2.15. Here we read, well, I'll go back to 14. And this is Paul's condemnation, how he's going to turn his condemnation to the Jews. For it is not the, well, verse 14. For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these, not having the law, are a law to themselves. In verse 15, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts going between one another, accusing or also defending them. So in this case, the pronoun alelon is not referring to people, but it's the thoughts of people. The Gentiles in particular, who, even though they didn't have the Mosaic law, even though they, they didn't have all the ritual sacrifice in the temple, they still didn't murder. They still didn't commit adultery. They still didn't steal. Why, why not? Well, because they had a, a law. They had a law. They had a conscience. And so by doing those things that the Jews should have been doing in obedience to the law, uh, their conscience of these Gentiles... Thoughts going between one another. So the word is, like I said, it's a genitive, but it's not referring to believers or even people. So the question now is, what about your thoughts? Where are your thoughts? Are they good? Are they pure? Are they about God or not? Do you have a clean conscience? That's something we need to self-evaluate constantly. Are your thoughts accusing you? Or are your thoughts defending you? In order to serve God, we need a clean conscience. As, a, as we read or began with 1 John 1, 9, cleansing our, our conscience and confessing our sins is critical for spiritual growth. So we need that. And this verse helps us to understand that even though the Gentiles had no formal law given to them other than the Noahic covenant back in Genesis, they still at times, were in obedience by their actions. And see, that's what Paul's really, uh, his commentary is here, is that you know, you're, not, you're not a Jew just because God gave you the law and you received it. No, you're, you're saved by your, act, by your faith in, in God, and, and, and then your obedience uh, plays out through you because you love God. All right. Next, there's a big jump. We go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 5. And this is Paul's, uh, when he uses the analogy of the body and spiritual gifts. He says, for just, verse 4, for just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, in this way, we who are many are one body in Christ 
and each members of one another. There's a common phrase in our culture about no man is an island, right? No man is an island. We need, in fact, God created woman for man because he didn't want, he thought, said it was not good for man to be alone. So we are not islands amongst ourselves. We are part of one another, especially in the body of Christ because we are commanded to, uh, uh, to be uh, together. So the context in this verse, Paul is telling the believers that while they had different spiritual gifts, they were all one in Christ and together formed his body, the church, with Christ being the head. And uh, again, it's another masculine genitive here. Uh, And the word is referring to believers here, not thoughts like in the previous one. So now that we hear this, that we're all members, each members of one another, you should be asking yourself, how do I fit in? How do you fit in? How do you fit in here at Preston City Bible Church? How do you fit in in the bigger picture of uh, the body of Christ? Something we, we should all be asking ourselves. Do you know how you fit in? Great, if you do. But if not, you should be searching. You should be seeking. Do you even want to know? Do you want to know how you fit in here? Or do you just want to sit here and go home and do your life? Uh, There's many opportunities for service here, many opportunities for ministry. And uh, really, it's limitless and volunteers are always needed in all these events that are held and all these functions we do. And just uh, to, to think of the building committee and the uh, projects planned are going to require volunteers. Are you able to fit in? Can you fit in? Do you want to fit in? Something to ask each, each of us should be asking ourselves. Because the body, as Paul defines it in, in Romans 12, uh, for it to function as it's designed, as God wants it to, everybody's got to be doing their part. You know, as they say, there's too many uh, passengers on the train. And so we're encouraging, exhorting, and comforting one another. And that goes a long way to helping uh, ease the burden on on the few who are generally the small number who are constantly volunteering because people get burned out. And so I would ask each one of you, please, to consider how you fit in here because there's many opportunities for service. And that way you can strengthen other people. They can strengthen you, comfort you, and the body of Christ will grow and this church will grow. So that's a great verse, I think, uh, that Paul points out. We who are many are one body in Christ, but we're all members of one another as well. We're not independent. All right, so we're going to just sum up right now uh, what what we've gone through so far. Some lessons we can learn. Well, first of all, Jesus has commanded us to love one another. Um, He says, as verse 14 said, this is my command that you love one another. But he also says he commands you to love one another. And that's important. 
we are to love one another. And up to the point of giving our lives to protect and to nourish those in our, in our midst. Uh, many people are hurting. Many people are, are just uh, unable to perform the things they want to do and, and to come here in person. Some are because of health issues. Uh, for whatever reason, people need help today. It's, it's very tough. There's so many challenges just in our culture and in our, our communities to what we need. We need that love. We need to be loving and, and to demonstrate that as we have opportunity. And God does provide opportunities. Um, well, that's about all I'll say on that right now. We are to obey Christ. Because if we don't obey Christ, we have nothing. We have nothing. We're, we're acting like an unbeliever. Uh, turn, in my, turn in your Bible to John 14. John 14. John 14, verse 15, we read, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That says it right there. We, we need to obey Christ. Otherwise, we don't love him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then he goes on to say, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's why when we break fellowship with God, it's, it's so damaging because his ministry with us is cut off and, and ceases until we confess. Another lesson we can learn is Jesus is our example. He is our example. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I can get it. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. We read, therefore, since we have... Wait a minute, that's not it. Yes. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles, and let us run the, with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of, of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus looking ahead, saw the, saw the cross right in front of him, but went to the cross anyway, knowing that beyond the cross, after the cross, he was going to be exalted. And that is our destiny. That is also our destiny, that we will one day be exalted uh, because we've trusted in him. His destiny has become our destiny because we are in Christ. I love the 
the, the picture there, the cloud of witnesses, we're all, I see them as cheering us on to encourage us in our daily walk. And it's not easy. It's not easy. As I said, there's so many things that are uh, easily entangle us and distract us and divert us away from Christ in the scriptures and, and then applying our, our faith as we have opportunity. There's so many uh, challenges there, but keep our eyes fixed on Jesus because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And he despised the shame. He knew it was going to be shameful hanging on a cross, but he did it for us because he, loved, he loves us. All right. And we can learn that the Holy Spirit enables us to love. Turn to uh, Galatians 5. This is another familiar passage. Galatians 5. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So when we're loving, there's no law for us. That our law is we are loving because Christ commanded us and we're doing it because he loves us. And what a great opportunity we have to love you know, when you think about all God's creatures, all our pets, yeah, they can love us in a very tiny way, but they don't have the capacity to love one another like we do. We can do so much, even with so little physical or uh, temporal things we have, but we can use them to love one another. So I urge you all to do that, love one another, because the Holy Spirit, if you ask him, he'll provide. God provides. And so always take the opportunity to demonstrate love to somebody that you may think is not much, that you're not doing much, but the person who receives it, they, they could think the world of what you've just done for them. It doesn't take much. In fact, Jesus uses the example of a cup of water to somebody. is is so valuable and so loving. All right. Let's look at the last one here I have. There's never a shortage of opportunity to love. I mean, you can go out anywhere and you can find opportunities to love uh, someone that's down. I'm sure we all know in our own families there's opportunities. So do it. Take advantage. Love one another as you have opportunity because you're never going to run out of opportunities. And if you're... Uh, Asking God for the strength, you'll never run out of the ability to love one another. Because he loves us, he wants us to do the same. So there's never a shortage of opportunity. And let's, uh, just to, to go along with that, turn to John 4.35 as we get ready to close. Maybe a little early. John 4.35, where Jesus says, do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. There are so many unbelievers out there 
that need to hear the words of life, that Jesus died for their sins, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day to pay the penalty for your sins, for my sins, for the world's sins. They need to hear that truth. If they hear it, then the Holy Spirit can convict them and, and they can consider it. And then at some point, they can accept Christ as their Savior for what he's done for them. But if they never hear it, they, how are they going to believe what they haven't heard about? So take the opportunity. There's always uh, unbelievers in our midst. And thankfully, God always has a remnant of believers to encourage and strengthen each one of us in our mission field. All right. So that's my first uh, attempt at sharing this great Hebrew pronoun, one another. I hope you have a, gained some insight into how we can all better interact and, and, and care for one another. We can love one another. We can do things for one another, care for one another. And there's more to, more to come, more to follow. Next time, well, we've got episode two coming. That's about it. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, we're going to keep going through. We'll finish. Hopefully, we'll finish up the rest of the uh, uh, uses and occurrences in the Book of Romans, and then we'll move on to the Corinthians. But uh, if you want to do a search of the, the word and look it up for yourself and, and understand better, that'd be great. Um, I, I think it's just a beautiful way to get a church together. And I'm looking forward to continue to teaching on what uh, the Bible tells us as church, as a church, how we should be caring and looking after one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your pages of scripture that you have recorded for us to teach us, to help us to understand your ways so that we can apply those in, in our own lives to those we interact with. Father, as we uh, continue this series on, on one another and how uh, it is used in the uh, New Testament scriptures. Father, we would just pray for wisdom, for insight, for understanding, so that the applications will be glorifying to you and that this church family will grow closer and closer together, loving and caring more and more for each other. In the days ahead, uh, Father, it just the times we're living in seem very dark and we are going to need the uh, care and the love from one another to uh, make it through. But we always have you, Father, and, and help us to keep our eyes focused on you, as the writers of, of Hebrews said, so that we can have victory each and every day. We ask your blessing upon us as we depart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.